Welcome to the Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast, your source for all things Catholic in the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma. One of the central things that's new about the new evangelization is that it is an evangelization that is happening in already Christianized nations. It's happening among people who already have had the good news preached to them and who have already kind of gone through a cycle where there was the no faith, then there was faith, often persecuted faith, then there was fervor, but then the cycle returns of a kind of a passivity. Faith is a cultural reality. And it's a kind of a sleepwalking in a way. It's almost like a hypnotism where I'm Christian, if anyone asks me, I'll tell them I'm Christian. But if you look at my life, am I living my life in an active and an intentional and an awakened way to what it means that Jesus Christ is Lord for me, his gospel should reign in my life, does it? Hmm. So what do I do with Advent? Well, I might examine, is his gospel reigning in my life? Uh, if it's not where, where are those areas where it's not? What can I do? Some of those areas where it may not be raining, uh, it may not be raining because I won't accept that part. Hmm. Welcome to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. I'm Adam Minahan. It's great to have you guys back. And we have a special guest in with us today, uh, returning to the studio, Derek Lassie, the Chief De Development Officer of the Diocese of Tulsa. Derek, it's great to have you back. It's great to be here. Yeah. It's awesome. It, the, since the office is across the yard, he's never far away from you. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. it, it, it didn't take too much convincing. I mean, we drug him over here, yeah. but, but, uh, but it, didn't, it wasn't too Luckily far to drag. holy chair. He just rolled me right across. Right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, Bishop, you've been very busy. Uh, you had the USCCB conference. Mm -hmm. uh, you had a little bit of a vacation, kind of get a, get a little bit of a getaway. Um, how did everything go? If I could get into my calendar, I could tell you everywhere I've been. But yeah, I'm having some technical difficulties with it now. Um, yes, I was gone a lot of November. The first week or so of November was a retreat week for me. Spent some time out at my little um, cabin over by Stillwell, mm -hmm. just to have some quiet time away. Then from that went to the bishop's um, meeting in Baltimore. I think that's where I went then. Mm -hmm. um, I'm missing a trip in there somewhere. I forget where it was that I went. There was some other trip in between. But um, yes, we had a good meeting. Uh, you know, one of the things that happened at the bishop's meeting maybe two years ago even, we moved. We used to have a, a morning of prayer with Mass at the end, on the last morning. We moved that to the very first event. Hmm. And so there's some local priests that come for confession to hear the bishop's confessions. We have an hour of Eucharistic adoration with a speaker 
morning prayer. Then we go to the Basilica in Baltimore for Mass, come back for lunch. So it's a wonderful way to begin the meeting so that we're all, you know, 250 odd bishops in yeah. this room. And I mean odd bishops. We are. <laughs> uh, that's both in terms of relative number and the shape of the bishops. Um, 250 odd bishops in the room together, uh, praying together before we ever begin the work of the meeting and so forth. And so, you know, it was in terms of the meeting, it was sort of the standard meeting, lots mm -hmm. of Lots of meetings and, and um, work that needs to be done and votes to take and so forth. We began a, a um, what has become now a, a normal part of the meeting, what are called fraternal dialogues. Hmm. We began that a couple of years ago as well. So these are opportunities for us to break into smaller groups. And the groups are just selected randomly. So you end up with different bishops in each group. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to engage with more of the bishops because we also always have regional meetings. Okay, so you know the bishops of your region. Here it's Texas, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. You know those bishops, and so you do have that meeting apart from the main group. But then to have these regional meetings together, I mean these... Um, random groups together allows you to discuss different topics with a, another group of bishops who you otherwise don't normally hear from mm -hmm. at a more intimate level. So we enjoy doing that as well. Um, and then I belong to, and a lot of bishops belong to, a bishop support group of one kind or another. Uh, ours follows a Jesu Caritas model. That's a, a model of support group that priests, many priests belong to. I think we've got about three or four of those groups in our diocese. And we always have our meeting at the end of the the plenary meeting, which ends on Thursday about noon. So we meet that afternoon and go to dinner that evening. And that also is always very good. So it was a wonderful meeting. I uh, came back from that and then was here about a week. And then on Thanksgiving Day, flew down to Mexico to do a wedding Wow. For family friends who are from Guadalajara, uh, who I got to know in Texas. Uh, they lived near the parish where I was. That's great. And so just got back from that and looking forward to being home for a bit. Yeah. And uh, getting things going again here. So Now, when you're with the bishops, do you like, and you random bishops, do you guys like talk shop or like, what do you, uh, what do you do? Like when you're when you're together, like, what, do you talk about like the state of the church, or do you what, talk about like what what when, you guys are doing well in your diocese? When, which or, groups are together? When you're when your random group that you, you get oh, fraternal different. dialogues, yeah. yeah. In the fraternal yeah. dialogues, typically they assign a topic. Um, what did we talk about this time? I don't even remember now. I'd have to refer back to my notes to, your to notes. see what we mm -hmm. talked about this time. Uh, but yeah, it's usually some particular topic of a pastoral nature. Okay. We can talk about what's going on in our own diocese with that particular topic or what our thoughts are. I think part of what we were talking about this time had to do with the, the, uh, cause like most dioceses and like parishes, the bishop's conference is also usually working off of a pastoral plan. 
And so we're entering a new way of putting that pastoral plan together. And so we're talking about some of the specific nuts and bolts of, of that kind of the pros and cons of doing it this way or that way. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Yezu Caritas groups, those are groups where we're, we want to sit together and just share with one another what's going on coming up in our prayer, because the bishops are committing to a holy hour. And so in the midst of the holy hour, what is coming up in the prayer and what's going on in our life and in our ministry? Mm-hmm. What are challenges that we're uh, facing or you know things that we want to celebrate, things out of our personal life and so forth? Okay. But there's meetings before. I got there Saturday. The meeting starts on Monday. I got there Saturday, all-day meetings. Let's see, I was there Saturday evening. Meetings all day on Sunday, into the evening, and then Monday, and then meetings during lunch breaks at some points and dinner meetings at some points. And so it just gets into a lot of meetings. Do they have coffee there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The funny thing, the thing that's that's the funniest to me is that uh, we have now a kind of a general uh, practice or habit that on Wednesday afternoon, uh, for the afternoon break, there's dove bars. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And so you see 250 bishops turn into little boys. <laughs> oh, the dove bars are here. <laughs> you know, we all flow out into the big... You know how those hotels are. You yeah, that big, big common area. Yeah, yeah. the big common area. And uh, there's a couple of refrigerators around with dub bars, so everybody's excited. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so uh, over the course of the last you know couple of weeks, there's also been something that has been that's happened, like uh, within within my department, the communications department, and uh, I within announced in your life within my life. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I announced. You know, when I first took this job at the community as a communications. Uh, director, I said, um, I've always worked for the diocese. You know, as a, as a faithful Catholic, those who are listening uh, here at the, you know, for uh, listening to Tulsa Time, um, we all work for the diocese because as an obedient Catholic, your your job is to move the mission and the and uh, the vision of of the bishop forward to proclaim that Jesus is Lord um, and to evangelize all of Eastern Oklahoma. Uh, so I've done th- that for. 37 years um, uh, here in the Diocese of Tulsa, or at least attempted to. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had the privilege and honor of being able to work here professionally um, over the last few years, uh, but uh, I've had the opportunity to work from home, and so I took a job uh, for working for another company, working for a, the church still, but um, it's called Exodus 90, or it's called Exodus, um, and they're, they're really known for uh, helping men come to know Jesus through prayer, asceticism, and fraternity. And so um, probably by the time this airs, it'll be my, my, one of my last days here at the diocese working professionally, but mm-hmm. I continue to work for the diocese. And, and is Exodus 90 then just one of their programs? Correct. Yeah, so okay. they're, they're really moving towards a whole liturgical living for, ah. for men. So mm-hmm. uh, through, through the first 90, which is kind of the beginning of the year, through all the way to Easter is prayer, asceticism, and fa- a lot of fasting and, and, mm-hmm. and fraternity. And then afterwards, we, we focus on feasting, feasting yeah. well, right? You know, because right. you can't actually feast well without fasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really a, a program in which it's trying to help men grow in their relationship with Christ and have this unique freedom, this uncommon freedom that, uh, of mm-hmm. today's world of, of just living in, in Christ. 
Yeah, the data from, I don't remember who did the big study of a, a number of years ago, but the data about men, the, uh, the data about the effect of parents on, on the children's um, practice of the faith, mm-hmm. that we've talked about on this program before. Mm-hmm. And connected to that data is the data about the effect of men, and men are the particular ones who have the impact on the children's future practice of the faith. Men and women together, of course, husband and wife together is ideal, but I think it was something like even if the uh, wife practices but the man doesn't, mm-hmm. if the, the mother practices but the husband doesn't, has less of a positive effect than if the husband practices but the wife doesn't. I think that's how the data mm-hmm. worked out. It's best, of course, if they both do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it makes sense to me from the perspective that uh, religion and the practice of religion is, in a sense, female or feminine in the sense that God is Father, God is outside, mm-hmm. and we are receptive. All human persons are receptive to God the Father who is always initiative. And so the masculine principle is initiating, the feminine principle is receptive. So in that respect, the whole church is always feminine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when the father is practicing religion and the children see that dad's faith is real, uh, it's not just something he does because mom does or not just something he does because he feels guilty or something, Mm -hmm. but it's because he really has a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, that has a greater impact on the children because they see that he doesn't have to. He's the dad. He doesn't. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't have to, mm-hmm. but he does. So, mm. you know, as I told you, I was sorry, of course, to see you go from the diocese. Happy that you were staying local. Yes. Yes. And uh, happy that you're working for something like Exodus 90, which will do great good for the church. The more we have men. Uh, as heads of families and heads of those domestic churches, uh, co-pastors with their wives, the stronger the diocese will be, the stronger the church and the parishes will be. Mm-hmm. So uh, congratulations to you. You just live around the corner from here, so we've yeah. talked about yeah. the possibility right. of continuing this kind of a of a arrangement with even uh, Tulsa time, even mm-hmm. though you wouldn't. Uh, as you say, you'll still be working for the diocese. That'll That's be right. part of your work for the diocese. Sure. Uh, we just won't pay you. <laughs> Which right. we probably don't pay you much. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, but I, I do appreciate. It. I'm, I'm thankful for the for, for the time here. I always my mm-hmm. mom always tells tell, tells me like when you leave a place, you should always say thank you, and you should always say you're sorry. You know if there's something that you're sorry. So. You know, I'm grateful for, for the opportunity to be here. I'm grateful and thankful to be working with uh, my team, Renata and Daniel, who are just uh, they get they work tirelessly to continue spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, and uh, working with Derek and everybody else. And so, and I'm also sorry if there's any time that I've you know came up short, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in my job. So I'm I'm very grateful though because I uh, I love working for the diocese. I love I love being here. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So. Yeah, but but now we got a time. Uh, we're entering into a time of of, of, of a season of hope mm-hmm. in the church. You know, Advent, which is a short time this year. 
Advent's very short this year. That's true. Uh, in fact, I, yeah, one uh, of the shortest. One of the shortest. Yeah. And so I thought it'd be good. I mean, so we need to be intentional as Catholics uh, mm-hmm. to live this season of hope within our family and within the church. So I thought it'd be good to uh, bring Derek on to talk about, you know, what he does uh, in his family, what some of his family traditions, uh, and then kind of just talk about like Absolutely. what are ways in which we can, as uh, faithful Catholics, live and prepare for. Uh, one of the greatest moments in, in history, mm-hmm. the God-man coming to earth. Right. Yeah, I was thinking about um, the uh, song, Ready the Way, that popped into my head two weeks ago already. You know, <laughs> ready the way, ready the way. <laughs> we used to sing that at, uh, at the student center where I was, and it, it was always just indicative of Advent. So it's already in my head. Uh, one way to think about it, what to do with Advent, what do we do different about Advent, is to think about the kind of gift that we're preparing for. And along those lines, uh, think about, for example, uh, gifts that you give that are sort of Mm one-offs. Okay, here's a Mm -hmm. gift, and now I've received it, and that's all it is. But this is a gift that if you receive it and if you open it, it will continue to give and give and give, but it also makes claims. It's a gift that can make claims on your life. Um, if, for example, somebody gives you a, a gym membership, that's a gift. But if you receive it, it comes with claims. You're going to have to <laughs> go to the gym, and there's going to be aches and pains even involved with that yeah. gift uh, before you see results and fruit and, right. and experience joy out of the gift. Uh, if someone gives you a car, uh, that's a wonderful gift. Someone gives you a car, but that gift requires time to drive around, to go to things you need to, to go to. It requires resources so that you can do the maintenance and get all the license tags and all the things. You'll have to invest some of your brain power and your time to learn how to drive if you don't already know how and to, to uh, get a license and all that. And you'll even have to rearrange the house that you live in, uh, your space, so you have a place to put it, a place to park it. So it's a gift, but it's a gift that can make claims on you. And so the gift that we're preparing to receive is the ultimate gift that can make the ultimate claims on your life. Knowing that... If, if, you, if you begin to think about that and unpack, what does it mean that I'm going to receive Christ as a, as a child who comes to me as a Savior? He's born so that he can die for me as a Savior. Uh, what does that mean for my life? That will begin to tell you what to do with Advent. Hmm. Because... Advent is not like Lent in the sense that it's focused on sin and penance and fasting and so forth, although one can profitably fast at any time. But Advent is a a season of waiting and looking forward to and longing. And so what am I waiting for? What am I longing for? What will that mean about my life? You know, one of the things that we're constantly working on, and in a sense you could say it this way, working against, 
is the notion of passive Christianity. So in terms of the new evangelization, mm. what of, one of the central things that's new about the new evangelization is that it is an evangelization that is happening in already Christianized nations. It's happening among people who already have had the good news preached to them and who have already kind of gone through a cycle where there was the no faith, then there was faith, often persecuted faith, then there was fervor, but then the cycle returns of a kind of a passivity. Faith is a cultural reality. And it's a kind of a sleepwalking in a way. It's almost like a hypnotism where I'm Christian. If anyone asks me, I'll tell them I'm Christian. But if you look at my life, am I living my life in an active and an intentional and an awakened way to what it means that Jesus Christ is Lord for me his gospel should reign in my life, does it? Mm. So what do I do with Advent? Well, I might examine, is his gospel reigning in my life? Uh, if it's not where, where are those areas where it's not? What can I do? Some of those areas where it may not be reigning, uh, it may not be reigning because I won't accept that part. Mm. Uh, you know, the the... The uh, Christian life, the, the kind of life that flows out of the Catholic Christian gospel, is challenging. And uh, if I'm unwilling to accept parts of that gospel because of the challenge, either I don't think I can live up to it or I don't want to try, then I may be simply holding that part off. But, you know, how can you hold, how can you say to God, okay, Here's my life. I don't want you to bother these parts. Mm -hmm. I just want you to bother these parts. <laughs> yeah. When we think about it, it, it starts to seem funny that we would ever even think that way. But um, so Advent is a time for us to wake up. Mm -hmm. I was reading the, um, the newsletter from the Diocese of Fairbanks, Alaska, uh, one of the charities that I donate to is the Diocese of Fairbanks, Alaska, from the time that Bishop Zelensky was there, who was in a, my bishop support group. Now they've got a new bishop, uh, Bishop Steve, I forget his name now, I think he's Japanese uh, heritage, a Dominican, young guy, also military background, uh, and so his first newsletter, you know, as oh, the yeah. new, new bishop of uh, Fairbanks. I think I looked that up one time in the diocese. You know, Tulsa Diocese covers about 25,000 square miles. Fairbanks covers 400 and some thousand, 450-something thousand square miles. It's just crazy. With 49 parishes spread throughout all of that. Um, and one of the, the images that he uses in his, his newsletter is talking about the, the um, passage from the prophet that we'll be reading, I think, this Sunday about filling in the valleys and tearing down the hills and filling in the valleys. And so he's, he says the prophet has this civil engineering approach to, <laughs> to the coming of the Lord. Uh, civil engineers know how to tear down hills and fill in valleys to make a level highway. And so 
that's for us to be thinking about. Uh, Bishop Steve is saying we should be thinking about what are the hills and what are the valleys in our life so that we can make that level broad plain. So the individual things that we can do can be as inventive as our people. But if you know what you're trying to accomplish, then you can come up with all kinds of inventive ways to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're trying to accomplish. The recognition that what we receive at Christmas is something that ought to take over our life. We must be ready to give over our life to it. And that means that we want to think about and find ways to help us focus in on what needs to be given up. Mm -hmm. What of our life, how do we convert our life more and more? Mm -hmm. You know, we talk a lot about on the show about how to take that next step. What's the next step? Yeah. So what are some of the things, Derek, that, that you and your family, like either growing up or something that you've implemented in your family on on ways of being able to prepare? Yeah, I think this is a good question because I, you know, I, and think about it, you're like, geez, what did we do? You know, I mean, did right. we do much? Um, but, you know, obviously the, the number one tradition of making our own Advent wreath oftentimes will, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we've done different things over the years, whether, it, you know, do you have a fake Advent wreath or a real Advent wreath? What does that say about you? Um, <laughs> I don't know, but, um, but, uh, my wife, Whitney, she has a, she has a wooden, uh, I wish I would have brought it, but a wooden, um, sort of statuette of a pregnant, um, Madonna. Mm. And it is, it is truly beautiful. And, uh, she's dressed in light blue mm. and she's very pregnant and, uh, it's just a, constant reminder of the anticipation but obviously every night growing up we would light the candles at dinner and oh, right. we'd you know fight over the box of matches and mm-hmm. yeah we got to light it and then typically we would have you know a special book you know not just you know um there's probably plenty of resources out there but a special advent book with a little reflection mm. and a little prayer and that night at dinner you know you would have someone read the book and say the prayer, and then say your meal prayer, mm-hmm. you know, and that was one of the sort of simple ways to, we're not just sort of lighting candles and playing with matches. Although fun uh, for little kids, for little boys, especially. You, you got to have the fire. Yeah. You, know? you got to have the fire. Yeah. And so, um, and so that was, that was something that I always remember. Another thing that I do remember is always, um, you know, our parish always growing up, we always had you know, the community reconciliation sort yep. of events, if you will. Now, we, we weren't getting, you know, sort of absolution in, in a communal form or something like that. But, you know, uh, during during Advent and also during Lent. And so that was something I always remember yep. is we would always do that. Um, the parish penance service. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. That's mm-hmm. right. And you'd have priests, you know, from All other parishes the, yeah. yeah, who would come in and help, you know, for one night, you know, and then you'd have... Some priest that maybe you didn't know, so you were kind of okay telling them your sins. That's right. (laughs) That's right. So, uh, which one doesn't speak English well? Yeah, I'm gonna go to him. (laughs) Yeah, of all these poor pastors. Yeah, exactly. So, so those are some of the things that that I remember, and then just the general. There was little nuggets, you know. We didn't do a ton with the feast days during December growing up, you know. our Lady of Guadalupe or St. Lucy and, and some of these things. But we did do St. Nick's feast day. Obviously, we would put out our shoes. And, and I mm. always associate mm. that with with Advent more so than Christmas because it was, once again, that getting excited and anticipation for what's to come. Mm. Because even as a kid, you kind of knew, you know, 
this is this isn't the real deal. There's no need to get too excited about this. But mm -hmm. um, I always think about those things, and then obviously the decorations in the house and some of those mm -hmm. things that go up that are Advent, you know, specific. Right. Yeah. But the penance service is is sort of the prototypical. Again, getting to what's the center in the heart. That's the tearing the valley, the, the filling the valleys and tearing down the hills, right? I mean, pride is thought of as a puffing up, and so that's kind of a hill. And um, the the penance service, the the idea of making a good confession before Christmas is sort of the heart of that. It's often done at a parish penance service, mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily the best way to do it. It, it might even be just as well to go on Saturday during some point in Advent or anytime there's confessions. Mm -hmm. uh, the cathedral, for instance, has noon confessions. Well, go, uh, if you can, to a noon confession, something like that. Uh, we've, we've spoken before about the, the unintended side effect of the, the Advent and Lent penance service has been that the Catholic people have been trained to think that yeah. they only need to go to confession twice a year which, at least for me, would not be sufficient. Um, maybe I'm more sinful than most, but uh, we should think about going to confession more frequently. And so the penance services help in the sense that you can get a lot of priests there, and so a whole lot of people can go in one time. But mm -hmm. if you go more frequently, you don't need to go to the parish penance service. I mean, there was way more strategy in, in the penance service because you had to sit next to where the line was formed. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, God forbid, you're stuck in church for two hours. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, right. It was always, uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's a great point. Yeah, I agree, too. I mean, just, um, yeah, going throughout the year and um, making those habits as a family is, is, is great. Mm -hmm. But it seems like a lot of the the customs are around counting, so to speak, you know, counting down. Mm -hmm. So I talked about the the basket that the little crib that mom would put on the TV uh, next to the rabbit ears with the foil on them. You well, know. A lot of people don't even know what you're talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. Television. <laughs> yeah. With, we used to be, have to have with the, an antenna. With the antenna. Sometimes you had to hit the side of the TV to get the picture on and... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but uh, she would put that up there with a basket of straw next to it, and we could put a piece of straw in the in the crib every time we did a good deed during Advent. Mm -hmm. So there's the connection. How do I mm -hmm. make another step towards Christ? I can do it by not slugging my brother, even though he needs to be slugged badly. Uh, <laughs> and since I didn't slug him, I'm going to put a piece of straw in the basket um, or in the crib. So it's a sort of accounting, right? It's accounting down. You see these Advent things with the little windows that you open or something like that. Uh -huh. uh, the lighting of the candles progressing mm -hmm. each mm -hmm. week to the next one till we get finally to the last one, that kind of thing. Uh, and so that all makes sense because part of Advent is anticipating this gift. And so what are ways to help people focus in on and anticipate the gift? Um, it's almost trite to talk about and to complain about the fact that we have Christmas decorations up in the stores and so forth, even before uh, Halloween now, and so on and so forth. But, you know, we ought to sort of get over that in a sense, because so what? It's That's going on. We don't have to jump into that. 
but it is important for Catholics to pay attention to the liturgical calendar now. That's why it's good to have one or look one up online and put it on your phone or whatever. Uh, to be able to see that we have an Advent season and then we have Christmas, then we have a Christmas season. So for us, everything doesn't end Christmas or the day after Christmas. That's it right. continues on uh, for those days of Christmas. And so there's a lot more that we can do uh, to celebrate the gift if we observe those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the things that we did that I did not realize was going to have the effect that it did, but we started like seeing Christmas carols in our home to teach the kids how to sing Christmas carols in, in, in the words and everything like that. And then we went out caroling. Mm -hmm. Now, caroling was something that, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but like when I was a kid, if someone would knock on the door and you weren't expecting anybody and it was during Advent or Christmas time, like you knew, oh, good, it, carolers are here. Mm -hmm. um, and that, I guess, tradition has kind of gone by the wayside a little bit. Um, but we we still do it, and so we we do it around our neighborhood. And we have a little like just a little uh, bag that has uh, cinnamon sticks, and uh, it says "wish you we wish you a merry Christmas" from the Minahans. And, and so we, uh, the Anna or Leah will go and hand them you know little cinnamon sticks and give it to them as for Christmas as we sing our carols. Well, I, I you know I just thought it would be fun, and it's a way of spreading Christmas joy and hope, and um, you know just a way of outwardly expressing our faith and. I thought it would be fun, and I didn't realize though there's a Facebook group that is in our for our neighborhood. And one of the things that happened this year, they said like, "Hey, are you are the carolers still going to come by this year?" Hmm. And they were asking that just last, like last week. They asked that. It's good. And I realized, oh, okay, so like that's contagious. That's like that, that's a mm -hmm. contagious that's thing. Like they were excited about it. Sure. Um, and so like those are like little things that. And I can't tell you how many times we knocked on the door and my, my kids, we all singing and we're singing out of tune and, you know, in a terrible, you know, we're just, you know, we're just trying to make it. We're trying to do it. And, but the, the, the warmth the, the, uh, and, and the smiles that come yeah. up across the other people's face mm -hmm. uh, when they, when, when it happened, mm -hmm. um, it's just uh, like, I don't know, that's, I think that's part of, you know, the Christian joy of, of spreading is like, you know, showing them that, that hey, we have hope within us mm -hmm. and we don't have to, you know. Bible beat them, you know, over the head about it, but we just, there's something different set apart mm -hmm. uh, from, uh, about us as Christians, you yeah. know, that we have a hope in, and it's not us, it's it's Jesus. In the liturgical feast days, we have the solemnity of the Immaculate Conception on the 8th, <clears throat> uh, patronal feast day of the country, and then our Lady of Guadalupe mm -hmm. follows right along on the 12th. Lots of stuff that goes on around the diocese. Uh, if people want to see the Aztec dancing groups that we have in the diocese, there's about seven or eight of our groups. They'll be at uh, St. Thomas More. They'll be at St. Francis Xavier, uh, at a number of the other parishes. And that's the big time of year for them. So uh, there's... Mañanitas. Mañanitas uh, is sung and celebrated. Um uh, Juan Diego is on the 11th, I think, just right before that, or maybe it's on the 9th. So, um, yeah, so even leading up to that, we've got these liturgical celebrations. Mm -hmm. uh, then, of course, deciding are you going to midnight mass or to one of the earlier masses or all of those kinds of things. Yeah. One of these days, I, I plan on writing an article on making a defense of going to midnight mass. Mm -hmm. Like, I like that was a tradition of the, of the Minahans for for years and years and years, and so uh, there's just something beautiful about the calm, quiet midnight mass. Mm -hmm. um, now it's 
not quite on the way there in the minivan with everybody screaming or tired kids and things like that. But like, you know, just like when you're actually out there, um, there's something beautiful about it. Yeah. And it seems like it usually puts the kids to sleep. It's so Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Once they finally get in there, yeah. Yeah. Now my boys who are uh, altar servers, you know, they're up there and their their necks yeah, are kind of pretty nodding off. You know, I fell asleep during midnight mass, <laughs> serving midnight mass. I fell asleep. Yeah, they had to wake me up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, so I I just think that you know what what are ways in which we can do that? Another way in which we can uh, that we we've done in, in the house is like you know Christmas has become uh, for better. You know, probably for worse, like very materialistic a lot of times. And so, uh, you know, you end up looking around after Christmas and there's, you have this huge pile of toys for kids over here and you have the old pile of toys over here that is still like very in good shape and they're not, they haven't really used them in a long time. And so one of the things that we've, we've done is before Christmas is the kids all grab a bag and they pick out some of, their favorite toys that they haven't maybe played with in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and they put them in the bag. And then we take it all over to um, uh, Catholic Charities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it gives them an opportunity. One, it gives us an opportunity to kind of clean out, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, the, the, the room. But it also gives uh, an opportunity to talk to the kids about, you know, like there are people who are less fortunate that, that maybe won't get any presents on mm-hmm. Christmas, you know. And, like, we should be, uh, you know, giving them the opportunity to to cultivate that virtue of generosity and, mm-hmm. and, and thinking about other people. Um, and so that's just another thing that I think is easy to do sure. um, and has, a, I think, a, maybe a lasting impact on on, on children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, we've implemented the creche, laying, you know, the piece of straw in the creche, you know. Um, we've implemented that at our house, which is always, always nice, you know. I wait for the day when someone, you know, puts straw in the creche and then, you know, goes, I'm so mad at you. Okay, strong. Yeah, I'm waiting for that day. I've not seen that yet. But I'll be excited when it happens. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, it's great. Awesome. Uh, well, we wish everyone uh, a very wonderful and blessed Advent season, and in, uh, in preparation for celebrating the great feast of Christmas. That's right. Absolutely. Well, we've been listening to Tulsa Time with Bishop Condola. We'll see you guys next week. Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast is brought to you by the Office of Communications at the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma.